Which one of you considers himself to be wise and understanding? That is the question that James starts off with in James 3, 13 through 18. Who is the wise person? And he'll go on to discuss the fact that there are two different kinds of wisdom. One is from heaven, from God, and teaches us the things of God. And then one is actually even demonic, earthly, and worldly. You might consider yourself to be wise and yet not ascribe to the type of wisdom which God considers to be wise. Let us come into the passage in James 3, 13 through 18, so that we can all learn what is real wisdom, the wisdom which comes from above. I think all of us would like to have this wisdom. James 3, 13 through 18, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The wisdom from above and the wisdom of this world. That is James' topic for this passage here today. So here James is continuing his series of points on practical Christian living. And as always, he focuses on action rather than knowledge, on doing rather than hearing. To look at it another way, James is speaking out on the hypocrisy in the church. In the first two chapters, we've seen him speak out on many types of hypocrisy, which takes many forms, including professing to believe in Christ and yet not persevering in trials, showing partiality towards certain people in the church, being a hearer and not a doer, saying one has religion but not looking after orphans or widows or the needy, saying one has religion but not controlling his tongue, blessing God and cursing man from the same mouth, professing faith but having no action to back it up. And then James adds more practical ways of living out our faith in this passage today. Considering yourself to be wise, you need to live it out. And also do not love the world more than God. So James starts off here in verse 13 asking the question, who is wise and understanding among you? James often teaches by asking rhetorical questions. Why does he use rhetorical questions so much? Well, asking rhetorical questions is a way to focus his message directly on the recipients. It's intended to make people consider whether they are in the category he's speaking to or not. So people are forced to consider his message in a personal way rather than thinking he's talking to someone else. Rhetorical questions are frequently used because James is a book where he's focusing on practical application. Every person reading this letter should be practicing the things they learn inside. They should be living out their faith. Now in this case, you need to ask yourself the same question. 
do you consider yourself to be wise and understanding? Now you might answer, no, I don't think I'm a wise person. Then the clear response is you need to grow in wisdom and you need to get it from God. You might answer, yes, I consider I'm a, that I'm a wise person. But then James hits us with the phrase, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. If you consider yourself wise, then you should show it through good conduct. You should live it out. And that is the theme of this epistle in James, living out your faith. Now, based on his teachings, it's safe to assume that James would have some choice words for people full of head knowledge but loose living. It seems his mission was to try to reconcile Christian living with Christian doctrine. So in verse 14, James begins describing this earthly or worldly wisdom. He says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. So he describes two aspects of worldly wisdom, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. So we can look at our actions to see if we are living wisely. Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition both indicate a competitive, a combative spirit. You want what others have. You desire to push yourself to the top no matter who you step on to get it. You look out for number one. Your own interests are more important than others. Maybe even in your conversations, you boast about your worldly successes or about the money that you have. Earthly wisdom focuses on earthly riches. I knew a lady who was very business savvy. She was clever with real estate. Buying and selling homes was how she made money. And every time I ever met her, then her conversation would immediately go to that. She was always talking about how to make money through real estate. Most of her conversation was focused on profiting through real estate. So she was earthly wise. She was earthly wise. She would be considered a very wise person in this world because she was very good at making money. Now the end of verse 14, it says, Do not boast and be false to the truth. That is, if you have this kind of attitude, but think that you are wise, you're being arrogant. You are lying against the truth. In other words, if you've answered yes to the question, I am wise, but you have jealousy, selfish ambition, then you are a liar and not wise in God's eyes. So there really are two kinds of wisdom in this world. The wisdom which says, look out for number one, is a selfish mentality that's been spread by Satan from the beginning. Now, it sounds perhaps reasonable to some people on the surface, but it is rotten to the core. It goes all the way back to the time of Cain and Abel. Abel pleased God. Cain was selfish. He wanted to be the one who is popular. He wanted to be the one who got God's favor and pleasure. He was jealous of Abel's success. And so he killed him because he couldn't have it. 
There are two different sets of wisdom that people live by, and they're based on the assumptions about life they base their decisions on. Now, for most people who don't believe in the Bible, then many of them are evolutionists, and they believe that there is no God. They believe that there is no standard, there is no authority by which they need to submit themselves or to follow. They believe that they will never be held accountable for their decisions or their actions. They believe that there is nothing after death, that that is the end. There is nothing more. Right and wrong, they would say, are relative because there's no absolute standard. Perhaps it's defined by what is good or bad for you, what makes you feel good or bad, or perhaps for the more altruistic ones, what is good or bad for society at large. Now, if you live with this set of assumptions, what is the wise course of action? If there is no God, and there is no standard, and there is no authority, what should you do? Well, the logical choice is do what you enjoy doing. Please yourself, right? Please yourself. Do what you have fun doing. Pursue your hobbies. Pursue your pleasures. Pursue your leisures. Whatever gives you the most satisfaction, that's what you should do because there's no standard, there's no judge, and this life is all that we have. But the Christian has a completely different foundation which we live by. We believe there is a God. We believe that we will be judged. We believe there is life after death. We believe this life has more purpose and more meaning because we will face the God who created us in judgment. We believe there is a standard to live by. Truth is absolute, not relative. Right is not about what is pleasant or pleasing to us, but is about what pleases God. Our actions are eternally significant. We are commanded to be unselfish and to put others first. So different beliefs, different wisdom leads to radically different conclusions. Wise for an unbeliever is to do whatever brings you happiness. The wisest course of action possible, they think, is to please the one who sits on the throne, and that is yourself. Because there's no one else, you'll find yourself wholly accountable to. Wise for us is to do what God tells us to do, to please the one who created us, to please the one who's on the throne, because we'll be accountable to him and give an answer for everything we do in our life. We need to understand the huge differences between heavenly wisdom and worldly wisdom when we make choices. Now, most Evolutionists cannot very well explain where moral conduct comes from. The idea of right and wrong. We know what is right and wrong because God has put those things into our hearts, into our consciences. We, in fact, are different than animals. We are made in the image of God, and we know what is right and what is wrong. Now, I once heard of a football player who had... I think it was 11 children by 10 different women. And sometimes I ask people, what do you think of this person? Was he good? Was he bad? And some will hem and haw a little bit 
and be, well, you know, he did what, what pleased him and then he made himself happy. And so, you know, that's okay. But then I would ask them, what if you were his first wife or the first lady that he was with? Would you like that? Would you like what he did? Well, no, of course not. No one wants their spouse or their girlfriend or their boyfriend to be unfaithful to them, right? We want that person, our partner, to be faithful to us. So, in fact, there is a moral code that these people have, and they, they, they will recognize this person did something wrong. However, if evolution is true, did this person do anything wrong? In fact, he did not. There would be no standard, no authority, no absolute right and wrong by which he would be judged. If we are just like an animal, then what is the problem when we behave like animals? There's a different wisdom at work. When we believe in God, then we ascribe to the wisdom which is from above. Now, do you want to make decisions with earthly, naturally demonic wisdom? Sorry, earthly, natural, demonic wisdom. Do you want to make decisions with demonic wisdom? Very, very few people are going to say yes to that question. Who's going to say, yes, I want to follow demons? No one will say this, but the ones who are following the world's wisdom are doing exactly that. We need to understand Demonic forces, spiritual forces of, weakness are, of, of wickedness are powerful in this world. They're powerful in media and in the culture that we live in, pushing an agenda which is contrary to God's word. We must not just go along with the majority or go along with culture because it's going along most of the time in the wrong direction. We must instead constantly evaluate every decision we make and most importantly our lives and how we live to see if they are in line with the wisdom which is from above. Now in our life we will face many choices. You want to go to college, you want to get a degree. Ask yourself why. Ask yourself if God wants you to do that. Don't just do it because everyone else does. Now I'm not saying it's wrong to do it. I'm only saying don't do it just because everyone does it. You want to take the first promotion that's offered to you in your career. Ask yourself, why? Ask yourself, does God want me to do that? Don't just do it because everyone else does it. You want to wait in your life to get married. Don't do it just because everyone else does it. You want to buy a house. You don't have to buy a house in order to be happy. Don't do it just because everyone else does. The list goes on and on and on. Culture has a way of sucking us in and then making us float down the same direction that culture is going. We should not blindly follow culture. We should not blindly do whatever our neighbors are doing. Now here's a very good verse in Exodus 23 verse 2. You shall not fall in with the many to do evil. Some translations say you should not follow a crowd to do evil. Culture is getting further and further from God. 
powerful forces are at work which stir people up to reject and twist God's good designs. Satan is tricky. You know, Satan's not going to walk up to you one day and say, Hi, I'm Satan. I have some demonic wisdom for you. Reject God's good standards and follow me. Who's going to follow him? No, he will be more subtle. He'll instead try to use some positive sounding buzzwords to convince you that he has your best interests at heart, when of course he doesn't. We need God's wisdom to discern the truth and to stand up for it in a world growing even more devoid of it. Now, if you only learn one thing from this passage on heavenly wisdom versus worldly wisdom, I hope it's to be a Christian who lives out your beliefs in this world, not a Christian who lives like the world and also has your beliefs. Live out your beliefs in this world. Stand up for your convictions based on God's word. Don't just live like everybody around you, but then also go to church on Sunday. In James 1.5, it tells us that if we ask God for wisdom, he will give it to us. I want to go further into the wisdom from above. So we've talked a little bit about the wisdom from this world. The wisdom from this world says, look out for number one. Get money, get wealth, get materials, pursue your own pleasure, and that will make you happy. In fact, it will not. If you set your heart on things in this world, there will be two possible outcomes. One, you may get it, and then you will be disappointed because the promise wasn't fulfilled and it didn't make you happy as you thought it would. Or maybe it only provided a very short-term temporal happiness. The second possibility is that you don't get it, in which case you will also be miserable and unhappy because you didn't achieve what you hope to. So don't set your heart on things in the world. James 3.17 says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Verse 17 looks like a list of Christian virtues. What does it have to do with wisdom? Well, a Christian wisely living out his faith will be doing these things. He will be pure, right? Wisdom from this world, you can see in the media all the time. There are these, you know, one night stands and falling in love and getting together and breaking up and all these short term relationships and sex outside of marriage, which has great allure but it's lust. This verse says, be pure. The wisdom from from above, the wisdom from God is pure. We abstain except for within marriage, which is the proper place for for this expression, for this, the proper place. Yes, for, for sex is only in marriage. And then the second, be peaceable and gentle, open to reason. This is the opposite of aggression and assertiveness. Jesus is the prime example. He was peaceable and he was gentle. Then we should be reasonable. 
This original term probably describes someone who is teachable, compliant, easily persuaded, and who willingly submitted to military discipline or moral and legal standards. So for believers, it defines obedience to God's standards. Then it's full of mercy. James already discussed that true religion will look, the person with true religion will look after orphans and widows in their distress. And it has good fruit. The faithful person will bear fruit. And it's unwavering. We won't give in when we face trials. It's without hypocrisy. We are not just a hearer or a doer, blessing God and then cursing man with the same mouth. No, we put into practice what we learn from Scripture. That is what a wise person does. So ask yourself, in what area do you need more wisdom from above? Do you find that your life is being directed by, is being guided by heavenly wisdom? Or do you find that your life is being controlled by wisdom from this world? That you often follow what your neighbors do, what your friends do, what culture around you is doing, what TV and media is encouraging? Do we just follow in with that? We need to be different because we know the wisdom from above. Verse 18 says, A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. A harvest of righteousness. Selfish ambition and this uh, selfish ambition and bitter jealousy that we saw back in verse 16 do not bring about a harvest of righteousness. Wisdom from above, wisdom from God does. So as you think about how to apply this passage, come before the Lord and tell him you want his wisdom. Ask him to show you the truth from God's word and then set your heart to study it. Read the Bible, memorize scripture, study his word day by day and keep praying and saying, God, Show me the wisdom from your word which I need to live by in my life. And he will do it. To see our entire library of over 800 Bible studies, please visit our website at www.studyandobey.com.